money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The number, the website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. I've got the guys with me from Pittsburgh Power. Looks like we've got Bruce and John with us today. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance, engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, emissions, troubleshooting, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a couple minutes. I want to welcome the guys in. Looks like, uh, Bruce, you with us? I sure am, Kevin. All right. Great to have you here as always. And let's see if we've got John. John? Yep, I'm here, Kevin. Good to be here. All right. Fantastic. So what's up, guys? Anything exciting? Yeah, I got a couple things to start with. Uh, Yesterday, I had uh, two owner-operators leave messages for me, one with a vibration on an ISX, and said he's tried everything except the torsional damper. Uh, um, That, to me, is the first thing you do, because it's a 2011. But I've left him three messages. He doesn't seem to want to answer his phone, and that gets very frustrating, Kevin, when you keep calling people back, calling people back to try to help them. And then there was another fellow that had a question on his 07 Detroit with the turbo. And again, three messages and his voicemail was full. You can't leave a person a voicemail if the voicemail is full or never set up. And as a self-employed person, as an owner-operator, to me, that phone's very important. And I'm a little, that just bothers me when that happens. Yes, it does. You know, I, I think... And... Oh, go ahead. Now, go ahead. You, you, I want you to add to that. Well, it, it's definitely frustrating. You know, we deal with a lot of phone calls here, and we have, a, you know, a team that calls people back. So, you know, we deal with it. I really think that people are starting to be overwhelmed with too many ways to communicate. And this is probably on my mind because I spent this last week, uh, among everything else I was trying to do, trying to get more organized with my emails, my messages, my phone calls, my texts. You know, what I get sometimes is people will ask me a question in some weird conversation on Facebook. Like, you know, it's not even a post. It's like I was responding to something else and they'll just randomly ask me a question and then they'll get upset because I didn't answer it. Like the odds of me seeing all of those things on Facebook. So I, I just think there's there's way too many ways to communicate today. And sometimes I think people just get overwhelmed. I agree. And then uh, engine-related, um, we're getting a lot of phone calls and a lot of interest in the 95 through 99 Caterpillar engines for glider kits so that people can stay away from electronic logs. And they want to know our opinion on the 5EK, the 1LW, the 6TS, the 2WS. 
and they're really great engines. The 5EK was a great engine. It gets great fuel mileage, and it was a 95, 96, 97 CAT 3406E. You just have to remember that every half a million mile it changed the damper because that was the engine that for some reason would break cranks, and we don't know why other than people weren't putting the torsional damper on. Good advice. But, yes, we can build those engines. Yes, it's about the same price as the 6NZ. The core will be a little bit less because it's not that popular as the 6NZ, but do they run great? Yes, they do. They get good fuel mileage. They'll run over a million miles properly maintained. So if you want to stay away from the ELD and you want to build a new Kenworth or Peterbilt glider, by all means, go with a 95 through 99 CAT engine. There you go. You know, that is just a good, solid, and by today's standards, a good, solid, simple engine. Oh, they are. They are. There's nothing wrong. When a guy calls me and he's got a 5EK and he buys a manifold and a turbo damper and balancer and a power box or an ECM tune, I know within a couple days he's going to be calling back and he's ecstatic. And then he always says, why did I wait so long to do this? Yeah. <laughs> why wait? Yeah. John, what do you have this week? Why oh. why wait to enjoy? Go ahead. Uh, this morning I was just pouring through some uh, data. We finally emission tested the uh, Dorothy on our uh, uh, on a D-Deck 5 we've got on the dyno with working EGR right now. So uh, I've been the uh, past couple of days, yesterday and today, I've been, been, been pouring through some of that data. I got my son helping me to process it. A little distracted by that. We've got uh, made some progress on the Dorothy. We've got uh, W900. Uh, we've got one kit boxed up and ready to mail out right now, and we've got the jigs and everything done for that one. Uh, the T660 and the Pete 386 are, uh, are about ready to ready to go as well. So we've been making progress on that also. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that, that's been about it for me working on those fronts right now. Well, you know, it it, uh, it sounds like everybody's the, in the same boat. We're all, you know, the economy's doing well, the the industry's doing well, rates are up, there's lots of freight. We're really busy around here. I'm on the road on an extended road trip. Um, I got so busy, and I, I was accepting invitations to speak and not really putting them on my calendar and paying attention. Um, I ended up with one conflict. Luckily, I didn't say yes till I went and checked that one because they were the same week. But I got on the road. I went down to Fort Worth to do a thing with Landstar, and I was literally packing up. I would, I, I had planned my trip back. I was going to take the long way back out through the southwest in California. I was even thinking about stopping in Las Cruces and going to um, oh the uh, trucking company, uh, Mesilla Valley. I was thinking about stopping down there. So, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to go through that way and then just take my time going home up I-5. And I'm literally like packing up, getting ready to pull out. I have my whole trip planned where I'm going to stop. Lisa calls me and she says, do you know you have to be in Minnesota in three weeks? And I said, hmm, well, I'm a lot closer to Minnesota than I am home. So maybe I should just stay here, go to Minnesota in three weeks. <laughs> so I started to put that in the calendar. And then I looked and I thought, holy cow, Louisville's eight days after that. So I'm in Minnesota, no point in going home. I might as well right. go to Louisville. 
Then I'm planning my trip in Louisville. Head straight back down to Louisville. You're gonna see- yeah, putting it on the calendar, and I saw two weeks after Louisville, I have an event in Palm Desert, California. So I thought, well, I might as well go home that way. And so it looks like I'll be on the road till May. <laughs> so uh, enjoy. Well, try to try not to get pulled over again. Oh yeah, don't. I, I I've talked about it several times on the air. I don't. I don't even want to. It turns out that uh, that. Oh cor- yeah. Okay. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that corridor is known for that. Uh, Remember, I told you about that guy that had his truck confiscated, and he had a heart attack and died over that. Yeah, that yep. I, I, I've heard a lot of stories oh, about really? same town. Same town. If, yeah. If, if you if you redo an older truck and you're putting a cab on it that you buy at a salvage yard, that cab will have a different serial number than your chassis. And they'll confiscate your truck. So you got to, if you buy a cab, I don't know what kind of paperwork you can get to, to signify that you bought this cab and put it on his chassis because now you have two serial numbers. Yeah. Not, that's... You have to get what's called a special tag. I, I learned that the hard way with that pickup truck that I built. Uh, I didn't have the correct tag on the cab that didn't match the frame. And, uh, yeah, I got pulled over for a simple speeding ticket, and they uh, they impounded my truck. Oh. So I had to send to the state, and they sent me a special tag for it that I was able to put on it. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's start off in Maryland. Ron, welcome to the program. Ron, are you with us? You know what? Ron is not. Well, Ron is there, but. Well, there's the music. Let me get to a break. We will be right back in just a second. We'll get to your calls and questions. Stick around the websites. Let's truck.com. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Make sure you check out the University tab. I have a class starting up in uh, less than two weeks, probably pretty close. The class is going to start on March 12th. The last day to sign up is the 11th. You don't want to miss out on that one. Head on over to Let'sTruck.com. Click on the University tab, and you'll see all the courses we have available there. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Bruce and John are here with me, and we're going to go right to the phones. We're going to start off in Maryland. John, or Ron, I'm sorry, welcome. I think I've got you that time. Are you with us? Yes, I am. All right. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me okay? I've got a 3406 uh, C15 or C16. Uh, it's got 600 horsepower. I, I used to get about 55 to 60 pounds of boost. And just recently it's gone down. I can barely get over 29. I had my charge air replaced and that didn't help at all. And I'm wondering if it could possibly be the actuator in the turbo or perhaps a turbo complete, uh, a new turbo. Well, no, wait a second. You threw me a couple curves here. You said it's a C. It's a 16 liter C. C16. With C16. But is it a C? Is it a mechanical engine? No, no, it's an E. It's a 3406E. Okay. 16 liter. Okay. And how are you getting 50 to 60 pound of turbo boost out of that engine? What did you do to I it? I do not know. I didn't do anything to it. I, I have the uh, uh, scan gauge, and according to the scan gauge, that would be the boost. Now, something's yeah. not right because... Would you say, what was your high boost that you used to get? Around 50. Let me tell you what horsepower that is. Yeah, while Bruce is running that calculation. 859 horsepower. Yeah. The scan gauge. Well, is it possible that the scan gauge would be wrong? Well, there's there's one option I can tell you to try. When you set up the scan gauge, there's two different settings. It's the... Uh, the, what is it, the J1939 and, and the other, and you can also set it to read both. On a lot of engines, if you have that setting wrong, um, the boost will be wrong. The other issue is on some engines, in it reads in a different scale. Instead of, of pounds of uh, air pressure, it's reading. Do you remember this, Bruce? I... When the scan gauge first came out, we had this issue a lot, and I used to know it by heart, and I haven't dealt with it in a couple of years. But it it, it actually can read in a different scale. So I would absolutely not make any of your decisions on the boost reading out of that scan gauge. I would use a a manual boost gauge and or at least get this one, get the scan gauge set properly so that we know it's reading correctly. Okay. Is it measuring inches of water by any chance? I thought it had something to do with in, mercury. Because mercury and water are way different settings. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I say, when the skin you know, what you're, what first you're saying came makes, out. makes a lot of sense. Okay. The the you know, when I I, did, I just recently. Chained, I uh, had to replace the scan gauge. So as soon as I replaced the scan gauge with the new one, that's when I developed. I realized that my boost was a much lower. And uh, I went ahead and had the charger checked anyhow, and it did have a leak. So I just figured, well, you know, maybe 
it was a problem in the charge error. Yeah, I. But what you're saying, run up, it was changed. Does the truck run up the grades at the same speed that it used to? No, it doesn't seem to. It seems to be lagging a bit. Seems to be lagging. Okay, and you have the stock turbo on there, the waste gated turbo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would be looking towards the turbo and the actuator. If it's a C16, I would be putting our um, mid-series HP, or I should call it HP Cat Turbo with the bigger turbine housing is what I'd be putting on that engine, along with the ported and ceramic-coated manifold. Okay. Well, I actually was uh, going to go to your place this morning, but I couldn't get there because they didn't load me on time. But I was going to have the ECM tuned and have them look at that. So I'm going to try to get back there next week and do that. That would be the smartest thing to do. And that way we can uh, dyno it and find out exactly what your boost is and uh, see where the ECM is set. Okay. Sounds good. That's what I'm planning. All right. Good plan. Sounds like a plan. Right, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Let's head off to Oklahoma this time. Stuart, welcome to the program. Fire tax yesterday there, Kevin. Absolutely. I am having the I am having the worst battery drain problem. Uh, can come back for a drive from hours and hours on end. And five minutes later, that battery's drained. I've replaced the starter, the batteries, the alternators. I've cleaned all the grounds that I can find on the truck. And I I don't know what I'm missing. I have no clue. What kind of truck is it? Uh, it's it's an older it's a it's an old Ford. Uh, it's a service truck for uh, the dry cleaning. Hmm. Anyway, it's See, you know, if I were you, I'd try to find a good starter alternator shop that uh, that will look at the truck and see what they can find and see if they can find a drain on it. All right. All right. You got to make sure. Oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, e- even with all that new stuff that I put on it, uh, I-, I spent thousands of batteries and starters. I even upgraded to AGM batteries. Uh, with higher cranking amps, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and uh, I'm not an electronics guy. <laughs> what you need you to need do, to... Uh, if you can test, do you have a voltmeter? Do you have an actual, uh, uh, do, you know, do you know yeah, how to use a DVOM? No, I really don't. I, I okay. honestly just, I just bought it to tell me if I had a blown fuse or not, and it turns out it's way over my head. <laughs> All right, what you need to do is isolate the problem. So you need to get someone who knows what they're doing. Go to a, you know, any mechanical shop, unless you could bring it here. Uh, but where we are, so what they'll do is they'll isolate, uh, check the voltage at the batteries, check the voltage at the alternator, and you could find or you could narrow down where you may have a poor connection or something. It, it may just be running off the battery, even though you've replaced all those parts. You know, new parts are quite often suspect. Or it was really a connection or a bad ground or a bad connection somewhere between the battery and the and the charging system. So you'll need to uh, get someone who's proficient with a voltmeter. It's not very complicated. And some jumper uh, alligator clip long cables and uh, go for a ride. Or you might even be able to do it with the thing sitting there idling. Uh, but, yeah, regardless, uh, you need to isolate the problem somehow. 
and simple enough to do right. a volt meter. All right. All right. So specialized equipment. That's what I thought y'all would say. I appreciate it. Thank y'all very much. <laughs> All right. You're, you're welcome. You're uh, welcome. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're, we're uh, let's see, we're going to head off to Texas this time. Justin, welcome to the program. How's it going? Good. What can I we help you? I have a 2011 Freightliner Cascadia. I have a 2011 Freightliner Cascadia with a Cummins ISX, uh, Eaton Fuller 10 speed, and 355 rears. And I bought this truck with very little money down. I, it was just going to be my first truck to get into it. But I have an issue of I need to run fast with the company I'm with. And I was wondering... I'm been, I've been getting about 4.7 miles a gallon out of this thing because I'm running 70, 75 miles an hour in Texas through Childress a bunch, as a matter of fact. And I'm running, you know, right now I'm running 70 miles an hour and I'm at 1,600 RPM. Uh, is there anything I can do motor-wise to try and get that better fuel mileage or is it just slow down? What kind of, how many pound of turbo boost are you using on the level there? I have no clue. Uh, this is a stripped down old Gordon truck. I have very few gauges and the scan gauge I had, I had it, I was using it for a little while and it wound up giving me a check engine light and wouldn't let me regen, unplug the scan gauge and the check engine light went away. So I have no clue about anything that I have. You know, boost gauge gets $68 and it's, to do a world of good for you to learn more about your truck. Okay. But I found the show about three weeks ago when a guy was uh, going across Nebraska with an ISX running 75 and 80, and he was telling me what his boost was. Did you hear me talk about that? No, I didn't. I'm going back through my notes to see if I can find that right now. But when you're running speeds like that, the difference between 65 and 75 is usually 100% more power. Right. And then in Texas, you buck a lot of wind. Yes, and, and I've been bucking it for a month now. So, cannot get fuel mileage speeding into the wind. It just won't happen. Yeah, there's a lot of things we could do to your truck. Um, and get to one of our remote tuners in Texas. We have several there. But speed and wind will still rob you of fuel mileage. Absolutely. And you don't oh, know hold, how- hold on, Bruce. The music's playing. I've got to get to a break. We're going to come back. We've got a lot of calls on hold. We're going to get to those right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. We've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power here helping out. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Bruce and John are here with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We are off to Florida this time. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, Kevin, Bruce, and John. I have a Cat C15 MBN model that you guys did a tune on the ECM back in the December of 10. And I'm still in love with the performance it produces. And I just pro- turned over a million miles in December on the engine. The engine has uh, about two gallons of oil consumption in 25,000 miles. And I'm the last couple of months, I've been getting a lot of smoke at startup uh, to the point of fog and mosquitoes to that extent. Well, it's gradually been getting worse, and I'm thinking that there's very likely that I'm getting uh, fuel leaking either past O-rings or an injector bad, because I've also noticed about a one to one and a half mile per gallon reduction in fuel mileage, too. So are fuel injectors the proper direction to be looking at? How many miles are on your injectors? I've had the truck since it had about 550,000 miles, and I have no history before that, but I have never replaced injectors. By all means. Cat injectors, when they get to about 800,000, really start to, to fail. And you said okay. you're, at one, you're at a million what? Uh, a little, like a million 25,000. Yeah. yeah, you need a set of injectors. It's amazing how uh, good those bridge engines can be whenever they're set properly. Oh, absolutely. I love the, I just love it. I mean, it is such, and I, when I was at your shop and I was talking to you, I, you know, I did the fleet air filter, I did the, your mufflers and the tune all at the same shot along with the, the dampener and the balancer too. And I remember you telling me how much fun it's going to be to drive and you weren't lying. I mean, it, it is fun. I mean, it, I just love it. So it is, but you know, I still, I just run 60 miles an hour, but it's fun because I pass those 70 mile an hour trucks going up the hill at 80,000 pounds. Like they're sitting still, you know, that's right. (laughs) Did you ever do a manifold turbo? I never did that. I did a turbo and I was just in a position where I, I went on a run and I changed it myself in the Kenworth parking lot out in Kansas. And, I just couldn't, I didn't have the time to do the whole nine yards. It's on my list. It's on my bucket list. I guarantee you that. All right. Uh, tell me, what ballpark, what, what am I looking at in repair costs to put a set of injectors in? Uh, those are about no idea, 600 bucks a piece, as I recall. Yeah, it's a, Wait, about, well, the, the injectors themselves are, the injectors themselves are about, uh, $600 each, I believe. Uh, okay. We do offer a Delphi injector for that, too. It's a little bit less expensive. Um, and then it's going to be uh, four to six hours to replace them. Okay. So, so it's probably there, so. 45, roughly 4200 yeah, 4, somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And if I'm able to get up to you, how much notice do you need to for me to be there at night and be there in the morning when it's the engine's cold and you could start at it. How much advanced notice? About a week. Right now we're booking for, yeah, about a week right now. We're booking for next Tuesday right now. 
if you were to make okay. an appointment today. Okay. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm still probably, I'm not using the truck the next two weeks, but it, it's in a position where I can't even get to it. So I'm just doing another form of business that involves the truck. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I appreciate the information. And uh, I was at your place there a few weeks ago. I picked up a fuel sample kit because I was out of them. Okay. And I'm still, I, I should be showing some fuel dilution when I get that sample back in a couple of days, do you think? Uh, maybe you not. probably will be. Yeah, which I've never had fuel dilution. Start. Yeah. Yes. You, uh, not so much white. It's not, it's not so much white smoke. It's a darker smoke. You know. Oh, okay. But it, it has a strong diesel fuel smell to it. Okay. So I mean, I, I know it's not antifreeze. Uh, you know. Do you remember my saying whenever I designed that system to un, to get the bridge off the cat's back? It was amazing how great the cat can run when you get the bridge off the cat's back. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, it didn't make a sense to me at the time, but now I have to say I know. Uh, All right. All right. Thanks for the call. All right, guys. Appreciate the information. You're welcome. We're going to head off to Texas. Frank, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, gentlemen, all. Real quickly, two things. Um, where are you at with tuning uh, the, the new DD-15s? Uh, we just did a test tune that didn't work out so well, so we're back to the drawing board on that one. We've got uh, a little bit more work to do on that. But uh, we're getting closer. Okay, we actually did have something that we did, and uh, it just didn't work out like we wanted it to. Uh, so we're, we're, we're rubbing on it now, and we should be testing it again here shortly. Okay, I'll stay tuned on that. And then the second one is it's kind of just a general deal. I didn't do a little bit of a thing with my company, and uh, they're wanting to dramatically increase the miles uh, interval on oil changes. <laughs> and I just wonder, out of the three of you, which I consider the brain trust, and, well, we put Ethan in there too, but what, what do you just generally say for a 2017 T680 with the PACCAR engine, what would, in just average operating conditions, flow-through filter, no bypass filter, what what would you say the target miles would be for for an oil change? 50,000. 50. Yeah, they want to go to 75. Yeah. And go ahead. That uh, it depends on it depends on use. Uh, Cummins has published a really neat matrix that uh, relates uh, oil oil changes to fuel consumed, which is representative that, of work from the engine, which is all which is what hurts you know more work from the engine the, the harder you are on oil. So uh, seventy five might not be a problem depending on the the use. Um, the Packard's oil filtration, I believe it's got two stage oil filtration built into it. So that's uh, already got. Uh, I don't. I don't believe it's as fine as a bypass filter, but I believe there's already two stage filtration in there. So seventy five might not be that bad. Uh, I personally yeah. wouldn't do it just just because. But uh, you know, it's probably yeah, yeah. not going to hurt it. Depending, and again, depend. It, it depends on how you're using it as well. John, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, well, this gets this gets uh, six. Go ahead. You, you talked about. If you uh, want to from the old man. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Bruce. My opinion is I would never run that kind of I would never run that kind of miles on the standard set of uh, oil filters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So just to throw so, a couple things in, John, I you know it's I interesting with- that um, Cummins has that matrix. I talked about this not exaggerating, probably 15 years ago. When I first got into bypass filtration and sampling, I said, why do we use a mileage number? It has almost nothing to do with anything. If we're going to put a random number on when to change oil, we should use gallons consumed. That's a much better indicator of of how much you're putting the oil through. But, you know, nobody wants to track that, so miles were easy. Uh, But I was saying that forever. And then the better way is what we talk about. Don't put any number on it. Sample it and change when the sample tells you. Whether you're using a bypass filter or not, you can still sample and just change by your sample results. The other thing about this engine, I I have seen lots of oil samples come out of the MX engine at 50,000, and they are clean, really clean. Same with the DD-15. So, you might be able to extend. I wouldn't. If if I wanted to go any longer, I'd just go with the bypass filter. But when that engine first came over here from Europe, they were claiming it was a 75,000-mile oil change. Wow. Well, oil I've seen Frank, you are really, really breaking up. I'm having a hard time understanding you. Really I'm going to move on to another question. We're going to Nevada. Virgil, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing today? Good. What's on your mind? I got a 2013 Cascadia that I'm in, DD15. Last Friday, I had the fuel filters changed on it because uh, my mileage went down quite a bit. And I went down to Texas. I was doing 63 mile an hour the entire way down there and back up to Illinois. It was only getting like 5.9 mile a gallon. Since I've had those filters changed, I've had four new batteries put in the truck. It cranks over fine, but it, every time I let it sit for my 10 hour break now, anywhere from three to 10 minutes, It'll take me that long just to get the truck to fire, to get going, like it's starving for fuel, and I just don't know where to look to see where the problem might be. I don't know if it's maybe a pump issue or something else. Sounds like like we're losing prime. I'm going to get to a break. We'll come back, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back with more of the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power with me. And we're going to head into the final segment here and get to as many calls as I can. We're going to go back to Nevada. Virgil, go ahead. Yeah, I was just trying to find out what the cause might be for not having problems with the truck starting after I change the filters like that. Because it does it every time I'm side, you know, it sits for a long period of time. Then I, when I go to start it back up, I got to take three to ten minutes just to get in the dark barn thing to fire back over and run. It, was it like this before you changed the filters, or has this just been since the filters? Uh, since no, the filter just, changed? I changed no, it's since I changed the filters. I changed them for the main fact is because I've been losing my fuel mileage. I used to get around 800-plus miles on a half a tank of fuel, and I'm lucky to even get 500 miles now. So I changed the filters, figured that might Copy. be some of the issue. But, and now it's just that I'm having these issues since I've changed the filters. Well, you're going to have to look around for an air leak, but always look in the last place you worked. So if this happens since you've done the filters, I would uh... – Pull those filter housings apart and make sure you didn't roll an O-ring or something on the on the plastic cap there. Make sure nothing's cracked. Uh, it's okay. on the pickup side, so you might not have an external leak uh, on that filter. So you're going to have to take a good look at that. And your truck's got plastic lines too. So again, make sure uh, you know nothing got bumped or, or hurt or anything while you when you were doing the filter job. And I think you're barking up the wrong tree on fuel mileage there, though. I mean, it's always good to keep some fresh filters in it, but. Uh, We've seen a couple of uh, DD-15s really perk up when you reset the overhead. I don't know if they've got okay. soft seats in the heads or something, or the, the, the seats get more friendly with the head and the uh, the valves tighten up a little bit. But we've had two or three of them that saw you know significant increase in fuel mileage just by, by doing the overhead on them. So uh, anytime okay, someone calls me with a DD-15 that's, that's mileage has fallen off, uh, I, I recommend they get the overhead done. Okay, yeah, if there's. I don't, I'm not sure when the last. I have to check to when the last time it was actually done on this truck. But uh, uh, the service guy in our shop, and I understand it has a little bit to do with it. But from what I've lose, he keeps telling me it's the blended fuel, it's the blended fuel. But and it may have a little bit to do with it, I think. But I don't think it's going to make a drop off as much as it has. No, probably not. I'd really got to look at that overhead and the basics too. Maybe a nice clean air filter and stuff in there too. Make sure that's all good. And you don't have any boost leaks as well. Small boost leak could hide. Uh, the computer might not pick up on it. It'll compensate for it on its own, and you're going to lose some fuel mileage then too. So I would uh, you know, definitely check for a boost leak. Uh, first and foremost, you need to go back and, and check your work on the fuel filters and make sure you didn't roll an O-ring or something or you have a problem there. Let's get the thing to start. And once, once you have that fixed, you're going to have to chase after the fuel mileage again. Uh, so okay. I would uh, do the overhead and, and look for a boost leak first. Okay, oh, appreciate it. No problem. All right, great day. Let, let's head off to. We're gonna head off to Ohio. If my switchboard cooperates with me it must be tuesday guys we might have to move the day of the show i think tuesdays are <laughs> cursed i do have now a a backup in place i have a completely different phone system and we actually had to use it the other day on the live show we were ready to go live with you know on sirius xm 
and the phone system died on us again, locked up. And we were able to pull, I had the backup sitting there ready to go, but it's a little more difficult on a show like this because everybody's called into this system and we'd have to have everybody hang up. But I am just so frustrated with this. I've worked with tech support so many times. It's one of those, you guys know the trucks you get where somebody says something's going wrong, but every time you look at it, you can't figure out what it is because it won't do it again. That's what this is. It does it to me every Tuesday. And tech support looks at it and says, there's nothing wrong. It's working fine. Yeah, it's working fine six days a week. What's wrong with Tuesdays? Do you want to move it to Wednesday? Uh, I'm going (laughs) to – I I have to do something. Um, We're uh, we're just about out of time anyway. So, uh, But it's completely locked up on me again. yeah, it, it's just not responding at all. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Do you know what this weekend is? What is this weekend? This is our second owner-operator snowmobile conference, and we leave tomorrow to go there, and we will be at the Togedy, Wyoming area, staying in Dubois at the Line Shack Lodge, and they still have rooms available for anybody interested. And you don't have to come for the complete three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you're in your uh, big truck, stop by and uh, run a snowmobile and ride with us. It's a lot of fun. There's uh, a lot of guys saying this is their favorite time of the year is the owner-operator snowmobile conference. They have so much fun Uh riding with other owner operators and something other than a truck yeah i know i had talked about uh because before i looked at my calendar i thought i'd be heading home from fort worth to portland and i could have gone up that way through wyoming i didn't uh realize i had four other events i had mm-hmm. to get to so it doesn't look like i'm gonna be i think i might have uh i think i might have this thing back up let's let's try this and see if and Larry I can... Selkirk oh. told me two days ago was our hey. was our tenth anniversary of the first time I called you. Ah, yeah, that's interesting. Hey, I got my switchboard working again. Imagine that. We're yeah. going to go to Ohio. Ken, welcome to the program. All right. Hi, Bruce. Hi, John. Hi, Kevin. Hey there. Take my call. Hey. Hey, Ken. How are you? All right. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I've got that 1989 Good. Frankenstein Kenworth uh, T600 with the DDAC2, now DDAC4, with Ethan's. And yeah, yeah that's, my favorite, that's my favorite truck. Yeah, okay. I love that thing. Uh, so. <laughs> I've got it. I've got one of those uh, Tuesday issues, uh, intermittent uh, power problems to the ECM. Uh, got an appointment for uh, next Monday to come in, but. It's only shut down. It's never shut down on me. It just failed to start with uh, injectors not firing. And I was curious if it, if it initially starts and the power is interrupted, will the alternator keep sending power uh, to the ECM, even though it comes off the battery with uh, from old corrosion, possibly? 
it could. Uh, there's a possibility that it would run off the alternator, but I doubt it because that same power that you're losing is what powers up the uh, the electronic magnet fields in the alternator. So if you lose power to the field wire in the alternator, the alternator won't produce. So that should be keyed and also uh, would, would relate to your other problems. So And that actually might even get power from the ECM. So I think that it should not run just on the alternator. Uh, if you if you turn something else off, or if you have another problem, pro- power problem. Okay, I've just had it just uh, like six seven times failed failure to restart, uh, and usually sometimes it was a moisture issue, uh, but if it was dried out left left for a while, it seemed to dry out and then uh, restarted. Uh, but uh, the second question I got is I'm. Re- pulling my slidable fifth wheel off and replacing it with uh, a new aluminum uh, Holland uh, fifth wheel, but the the frame has corroded maybe a sixteenth of an inch underneath that 30-year-old slider, and I was curious, have you ever seen uh, frame failures uh, when the top part of the frame is corroded uh you know and loss of, of material i have not i, I personally haven't i yeah. haven't either bruce and uh, bruce and kevin have been at this a little longer than i no i uh, have strength seen is that. in the side the, the flanges of the frame are really not uh not where the not where the strength is so i don't think that uh, you know a 16th of an inch of corrosion on that piece of uh what is that about three eighths of an inch thick Maybe it's a five sixteenths. Five sixteenths. Five sixteenths. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's okay. single wall or is it is a two wall there? It's a it's uh it's a single wall and then the fifth wheel actually bolts to a piece of angle, like a two and a half inch angle, uh, that bolts to the side of the frame. Right to the rail itself. Yep. To the rail. Yeah. Okay. I I would not worry about that a bit. Okay, well, I appreciate the information. We'll see you at Pittsburgh Power Monday. See you next day. All right, sounds good. There's the music. We are going to have to wrap this one up and get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you back here next time. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.